Chinaswami in Bangalore, bloody hell, bloody hell. Adam Cohen's camp on to me. Tell us about that in 30 seconds to start. Uh, Pakistan have won a cricket match, having scored 200 runs fewer than their <laughs> opponents. Uh, New Zealand got 400 in 50 overs. Pakistan went on an absolute rampage. Pakistan man get 126, I believe, not out of how many balls? 81. 81. That's excessive. Uh, gets the <laughs> Pakistan to 200 for one. They go off the rain a couple of times. Duckworth Lewis turns out they're ahead. Game on, competition on, tournament on. This was just stunning. I mean, first of all, I should say the background noise. We're in my local. Um, and if yep. you're watching on YouTube, this, these are the colours of Dalit Chamber. We're playing Haringey Borough. As soon as we finish recording, we're off to the football. Uh, now, to get to what we're actually talking about, the cricket. Uh, this was stunning. This was 1992 Adelaide vibes where Pakistan are bowled out for 74 by England. The rain hits. The game is split. That's the turnaround point. That is the point where it all turns around with the Crouching Tigers and all the rest of it. This is that. I would not be at all surprised if Pakistan now make the semi-final. They've got to have to make up some net run rate. They're still yep. 0.35 away from, uh, from New Zealand, even after winning today in these bizarre circumstances. But um, if they can pump England in the final game and New Zealand don't do the business against Sri Lanka, and it may well be Pakistan in the first semi-final against India, as we foreshadowed a couple of days ago. So, so is, that, is that how simple the maths is, basically? Pakistan win, New Zealand lose, they're in the semi-final. So I'm looking at the table, and Afghanistan is still in the mix. Australia has got three well, they games both to win. The, the, they're playing right now. The point is they're on eight points each. So they can both, they, okay. let's assume they both win their final we want, game. We want Pakistan in, in, in that semi-final against India. So New Zealand got a sudden death game seven. after making 401 today. Right, we're bearing the lead a bit here. They have made 401, their second highest score ever in one day internationals, their highest World Cup score. Ratchan Ravindra made 108 of the most elegant runs you could see from 94 rocks, and they were in an impregnable position. And then Fakir Zaman, who we love so much on the final word, we've been following his career from day dot. Jeff and I were there at the Champions Trophy final in 2017. 126 not out, 81 balls, 11 sixes, all but one of them um, over the onside, most of them over cow corner. His, Hand-eye is just extraordinary. Um, and they knew, here's the clever bit. They knew the forecast, they knew the yeah. rain was coming. They knew Duckworth Lewis was gonna be a factor. They had to get ahead of the chase and they did it superbly, even after losing Abdullah Shafiq early on. Barbara Azam, the captain, who just did what he needed to do. Barbara Azam makes 66 off 63. He wasn't, you know, foot to the floor. Their run rate never really got to an absurd level. They made 200 for one from 25.3 overs, but Thakur Zaman did all of the heavy lifting and it's paid off big time. I think that's, that's what I found so impressive about Pakistan's innings. It's kind of sustained and intelligent, like powerful hitting. Like Abdullah Shafiq went at the end of the second over. They were six for one after two. It's not a great position to be in if you're chasing 400. Famously yep. bad, I'd say. <laughs> and then Pakistan, when Glenn Phillips came on, I think it was the first over outside of the power play. Played out maiden. Kind of had a look at Glenn Phillips. Yeah. Went okay. This is the game turning, changing. They can turn the screws. 400 is so many runs. And basically what happened was Fakir Zaman had a look at six balls from Glenn Phillips and decided he didn't rate it. And absolutely like, just belted him from there on in. And Glenn Phillips, who bowled so fantastically against Australia, I think he yeah. had those figures of like three for 37, his best ODI figures. He's got like this kind of chip on his shoulder that I am an all-rounder. He sees it as his way into the New Zealand test side, that he wants to be someone who has both strings to his bow. And New Zealand have backed him to that extent in this game. He's one of their five bowlers. He was booked put down to basically bowl 10 and if it didn't work down Mitchell has to come and have a role basically mm. which is what happened later on but there so Phillips finished with figures of 5 overs 0 for 42 
with a maiden in there. Fakasamaran basically just took him over mid-wicket, he put him over long on, he went over cover, and then when Phillips started to shit himself a little bit and dropped his length, he'd cut him as well. And that really was the kind of point where New Zealand go, oh shit, like, our kind of banker, our kind of, like, little guy we can sneak a few overs in, this isn't going to work, they're on the front foot here. And it's partly due to a resourcing problem New Zealand have got. Like they've they've yeah. chosen to play it this way and not bring Jameson straight into the 11 after Matt Henry was switched out due to that hamstring complaint, which feels like more than a complaint given they've, they've replaced him in the squad. But yeah, they gave themselves one over with Phillips to, just, to, to feel him out a little bit. And I agree with you. They realise, well, you're going to have to go after the fifth bowler. And he's very much the fifth bowler. He's just got to go. And if they lose a wicket there, well, so be it. You're chasing 400. The rain's descending. Yeah. Okay, right. You know, it, it, it's that idea of like you've got to give yourselves a chance to win the game, and knowing the probability of it being rain reduced, I have so much admiration for the way Thakazaman sized up the situation. And at, I mean, it's not as though it's like it's some personal risk. That's the way he plays the game anyway. But making a committed effort to clearing the ropes as often as he did, not just finding the boundary, but hitting sixes and putting as much pressure as he could on the New Zealand bowling group. A pretty experienced group. Remember that they've, they've got Trent Bolt, who's conceded 50 runs in six overs. Tim Southey, one for 27 from five, is positively brilliant in the circumstances. Sartner concedes 35 from five. Phillips, 42 from five with the maiden. And East Shodi, crucially. They come back from the first rain delay, just to paint the picture if you didn't see the game. And they snuck in, I think it was 4.3 overs before the next lot of rain. But in one of those overs, East Shodi went the distance. Yeah. Had 20 runs off it, two more sixes to Fakazaman. And that took them ahead of Duckworth Lewis, not by sort of five or six. They resumed, I think, ahead by 11. Yeah. They were ahead by 23 by that point at the end of that over. And that, that ultimately um, was where, when the rain started, I mean, that, that was, that was going to make it so difficult for New Zealand with the cutoff time. I found it really interesting kind of hearing... The broadcast and everyone's talking about Fakir Zaman and when you follow him and the way people talk about him on Twitch, he's got a very like cult following, including yeah. from yourself, because he's such an entertaining player. And when he brings up his hundreds, the stat that rolls out is this is his fourth hundred against New Zealand in the calendar year. Incredible, and he's just isn't come it? Back in the side, and I'm like, how the fuck do you score four hundreds in a calendar year and get not be in the side and get dropped of, in the World Cup? But you go through. He basically had eleven innings in a row about fifty, and like I guess Pakistan in their attempts to become a more stable, consistent side have gone ah. Oh, Fakir Zaman, he's too volatile. Like, let's go Vimam at the top. Hasn't worked. In their attempts to be consistent, they played seven, one, three, lost four. Famously inconsistent figures, those. But um, he's played fantastically well. And to give an example, I think of just, I've had a kind of renewed respect for kind of second choice spinners. You'll roll your eyes at this, but people, most people won't know. But I was working with Washington Freedom over the summer. Were you? I, I was actually. I, I keep it quiet. I don't like to mention it at all. And Glenn Phillips was one of those players, Washington Freedom's finest. And I knew when I would be at like training, like being behind the nets, I'd be shocked by the, like the pace of Amrit Norky. I'd be shocked by the power of Josh Felipe, whoever it was in the, in the nets. What I didn't expect to be shocked by was when I was standing behind the guys mitting to Glenn Phillips bowling, like part-time bowler Glenn Phillips. Fucking good, man. It, like, he's bowling at pace. There's dip, there's fizz. Like, he's one of those things where if that was his only skill in the whole of cricket, he'd be a very, very good cricketer. Yeah. And I think when you watch on TV, you lose the respect that I lose the appreciation of how much shape these guys are putting on the ball. I remember mm. talking to Josh Felipe about it and being like, I can't believe how good Glenn Phillips is at bowling. I know that sounds ridiculous coming from me. And he's like, no, mate, like, unless you're putting action on the ball, you're just going to get belted at this level. There's no chance you're going to complete compete. And I kind of was thinking about that. I remember watching Phillips bowling today and how well I thought he bowled and how good a bowler he was. 
and just seeing Zaman put him out of the stadium relentlessly. And he, and he also did the job with the bat. So going back to New Zealand's batting innings, I say he also did the job. Didn't do the job with the ball today because he was carted. But with the bat, they lay this, they lay this foundation due to the 180-run stand between Ravindra. Helpful. And we haven't even said the name Kane Williamson yet. 95 from 79. I reckon Williamson's a misunderstood cricketer in 50-over okay. fair. I, I reckon that people look at him, look at his record, and they think that he's Steve Smith or Marnus Labuschagne. And he's not. He's, over the last four years, evolved his 50-over cricket quietly. He has been striking it better than a runner ball for most of that stretch of time. And I wasn't surprised to see him play more enterprisingly today. He's evolved his game and falls five runs short of 100, but back in the side at the perfect time when it looked like it was going as well as it was for New Zealand, making 401 for six. And, you know... They've, Adam, they've lost. They've lost. they lost the game. They've lost. I mean, it's, a, it's, an, it's, a, it's an astonishing set of circumstances but yeah Chapman the finisher 39 from 27 Phillips 41 from 25 with a couple of sixes and Daryl Mitchell 29 from 18 they had the foundation and then Sartner who sticks to landing with 26 not out from 17 balls including a couple of sixes one of them a beautiful shot of Shaheen Sharafridi in the final over of the inning so they've done pretty much everything right Conway as well getting a start off the top Ravindra he's made three 50s in the tournament converted them all to centuries um, this was a sparkling innings. I mean, the way the ball sounds out the middle of his bat when he's driving through extra cover, the comparisons to Brian Lara are reasonable and fair. They're not exaggerated. I mean, the high back lift and the way he strikes the ball so fluently through cover, it does look like Lara. I get we get um, recency bias with these yeah. things. I get, I get we get carried away with players that have just made 100, but he does look that way. Credit to Jeremy Coney, my colleague on SEN, Test Cricket and SEN Cricket earlier this year. He kept saying on our broadcast of the, um, the England-New Zealand white ball games, they're, 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 they've got this Ravindra thing wrong. Yeah. He kept saying he should not be in the team as a spinner who bats a bit. He continually said, this guy is a serious batsman. Yeah. This guy can make big runs at international level. And it's as though New Zealand worked out in the nick of time, with Williamson not there for the start of the tournament, let's try this and what a triumph. It's been, I, I found it really, I remember thinking back to a conversation about, I don't know, 10 months ago with an unnamed New Zealand cricketer from the region. Doesn't play for New Zealand, but he's from the region. And I was asking him about like, oh, who are the next cabs off the rank? He went, they really like this Ravindra guy, but I'm just not sure I rate it. I do. He seems all right, actually. Glenn Phillips said this to you. No, no, no Adam, <laughs> no, different name. And I just remember like laughing because at the time I went, ah, oh, when Ravindra came in the team, I went, I've heard about this lad, he's not up to much. I know the inside tracks. And he's just smashing hundreds, <laughs> like beautiful hundreds in, in the World Cup. And it, it, the pressure on him like ramps up immediately. You, you go there, you go like, oh, he looks a bit like Brian Lara. Or like, he's 23 years old, he's peeled off all these hundreds. And all of a sudden, if you are New Zealand, you're like, right, this is our guy for the next decade. And whether that's deserved or pressure or whatever, that's the kind of reality of the situation now. I think his game will translate to test cricket too, right? Like, he's an organised player. He doesn't look like a... He's hit an 88-ball 100 today. His second 50 was in 37 deliveries. But he's doing it in relatively conventional style. He is out on a pull shot. Great catch running around on the boundary. Otherwise, would have gone for six. He smashed the cover off that. But yeah. he's got the second most runs in the tournament. 523 of them. About 80 more than Coley. Only behind De Kock, who's got 545 at this stage and yeah it was that partnership between him and Williamson that gave them the chance to, to reach 400 there's a third team I think to hit 400 in the comp he's, I think something that's worth saying about Ravindra is he's, he's very much a product of New Zealand's system in that so like Telegraph uh, journalist uh, Tim Wigmore's all over this stuff about like how, how does a, a nation as small as 
uh, New Zealand kind of com compete and create international cricketers, and they have a big emphasis on like A tools, early selection, mm. kind of who people, uh, people they are talent identification, giving people a go early, and so New Zealand re reduced the number of games, domestic games they played a season to save cash and create time to have more A tools, and Ravindra was one of these people who like they were like this is the guy we want you bowl a bit of spin, so we're going to get you out to the A tools in India or wherever or you're going to play this. He's already played three Test matches um, for India, uh, for India, for New Zealand. I think they're away. I think they yeah, they played in India a couple of Bangladesh. years ago. He's a spinner. Yeah, yeah. playing against Bangladesh and India, and um, his record's completely unremarkable. And that's probably why the conversation around him's gone the way it was. In that you have people who go, "This guy can really, really play," and he was potentially getting opportunities a bit earlier than uh, deserves the wrong word because it's saying he wasn't like good enough. But it maybe he wasn't good enough at the time. But they had the kind of backing in terms of like, "This is our guy. We're investing in him early, basically, and it's paying paying the dividends." And now New Zealand, their next game is against Sri Lanka, their yeah. final game of the group stage. And, you know, the net run rate uh, conversation will continue in earnest. I mean, the very fact that Pakistan get England, who knows how that game with England and Australia is going to finish at the moment. I, um, I haven't got the scores in front of me. I know they lost two early wickets and, and recovered. Milan's out, so they're three down, I'm told. We've got some final word listeners watching this recording, Absolutely. by the way. We've got very excited. Caroline, Amelia and Alan all here watching us, which is absolutely brilliant. Uh, thank you, Mills. Uh, the, yeah, but the game that um, sh wills, but that'll do. Um, um, we've got, as I scroll down a page, the Sri Lanka-New Zealand game, as I now pad for time, is on Thursday, and then Pakistan and England are on Saturday. So Pakistan right. will know what they need to do if New Zealand win. If they lose, it could be Pakistan-Afghanistan competing for that final spot. Okay. That's not outside the realm's possibility either. But assuming New Zealand get the job done against the hapless Sri Lanka, it'll all be about what Pakistan need to do to the English to get themselves into a World Cup semi against India, which would be bigger than That'd the Beatles. Be so good. I, I, I want that to happen so much. The kind of it's the it's everyone's dream scenario for this World Cup. And I'm, I'm sorry, India, like you do play the villains as like the kind of big powerful nation at home, stadium full of blue. If there's a world where Shaheen Shafridi kind of is blowing blowing off like Rohit Sharma's front pad and yeah, yeah. gone, it's one for two after one over. I can't think of a more kind of atmospheric, atmospheric like kind of theatrical cricketing <laughs> moment possible in the, in the modern game. And it is so, I mean, you know, without wanting to lean into the cliche so much, this is quintessential Pakistan vibes, yeah. right? Like they get pumped by Afghanistan a couple of weeks ago. They lose four on the trot when they beat, I think it was Bangladesh. It might have been Sri Lanka. They won a game on Monday. I remember that. Yeah. When they got back on the winners list, they were at risk of losing their fifth game on the trot, which had never happened to them in a World Cup before. Two games later, they found form at the right time. Mohamed Wazim, I know you're not as big a fan of him as I am, hit the stumps two more times today. Three for six, he kept his shit together. Um, you know, Thakur Zaman's hit Pakistan's quickest World Cup, 162 baller today. Um, Barbara's arms in good nick. I just feel like there is more to play out here, and that does give us something exciting for the final week of the group stage. Absolutely. You've kind of, the teams are building and losing momentum in kind of opposite directions. So New Zealand, like we're talking about losses in a row. It's New Zealand were four and zero, and now they're four and four. They've won four in a row, then they've lost four in a row. Holy hell, four in the like, trot, yeah. And they go, come up against the Sri Lanka next In two week. games where they've made, so they've, they've, fought, they've lost two games where they've made 382 and 401, and they're losers on both occasions. I see. You know, if something's to be quintessentially Pakistani, that is quintessentially New Zealand, I think, to, to make that many runs and still get fucked so, over. Yeah, and the, the, like, they're still in their hands. Though. If they beat Sri Lanka, I, I think... It's the, everyone's, everyone's on eight points, Adam, and I, I can't work it out, so I don't know what people need, basically. Yeah. But if New Zealand win, I think it's still in their hands. But there, there, there will be a team 
going into a semi-final on the back of one win in five, and you're going to think that's, that's going to be a changing shot of confidence. Pakistan, on the other hand, you come the other way around, they've had two wins in a row, they, they win their final game against England, they're three on the bounce, it's like, right, we're feeling good, this is kind of the momentum building in the correct direction. Yeah, exciting time. Or New Zealand could run into uh, our man Matashanka and the whole thing could flip once more. The beauty of the final week of this group stage. Right, time for the final word, Hall of Fame. Final word, Hall of Fame, Cam, is brought yes. to you by Westfield London, Westfield Stratford City. More extra, Absolutely. less ordinary. Uh, no better thing, as we've learnt through the week, we have had some Westfield representation here today as well, watching along. Yep. No better time than to get down and donate blood. You've told me a bit more about this off mic, about your yeah. involvement as a blood giver. Talk us through the Maybe process. I'm very good, what yeah. does, I mean, it's quite, it's quite a good I'm thing a, to do. I'm you're a better man, man than I, yeah. um, on many levels, but not least on the, on the basis <laughs> that you give blood. Um, tell me about the process of giving blood and how straightforward it is, and then people can go away to Westfield, London, and Westfield Stratford City and give blood, because this is the time of year when it's important. Around Christmas, um, for whatever reason, there are more accidents and so on. Um, the, the, the blood transfusions are required more than they would be in other parts of the year. The NHS Blood Donation Bank is situated both at Westfield London and Westfield Stratford City. How do you do it? What, do you, what does it mean? Very simple. Roll down to your local place. Mine would be tooting. And uh, wander in. They, they get you right form. All done. You go in. They tip you up. They tip you in a very comfortable seat. On a very snug your body, and you have to clench your bum a lot to keep the blood flow going. Basically, really, I'm a quite slow blood giver. I learned, which is a fault of mine. What can you do? How long? How long was slow? I think I was like a 20 minute man. So, minute right. Man. So if yeah. you if you're a, if you <laughs> if you're a, if you're if you're, <laughs> if you're a bit quicker, yeah, um, yeah. That, uh, keep clenching Better that bum will be a bit quicker. Exactly. Um, exactly. Uh, okay. But the, the best part is what the. the <laughs> The, the trick is, once you're done, is they really look after you. They feel, give you a, a glass of squash and a biscuit, and you want to look a little bit woozy, because then you give, they give you a second biscuit and a second glass of squash to get your, get your blood sugars back up. Better than giving birth. When, when Rach had our children, there's this sort of... Um, you, you hear about the Marmite taste they give you after giving birth. I didn't know this, no. And it's an NHS thing as well. Okay. You get it, but yeah. it's the worst fucking bread. I mean, seriously. Oh, no. Get the sourdough... You know, get the nice stuff out. Um, sounds like you had a better deal um, giving blood than you do giving birth. Um, anyway, Westfield London, Westfield Stratford City. More bloody extra, less bloody ordinary. Your final word moment of the day, Cam. My Hall of Fame today is Fakazman's wrists. I don't understand how he hits the ball so square and so powerful. He has to kind of catch the ball up. And there was a shot today with Glenn Phillips where the ball's outside off stump. And he's somewhat having already been striking so strongly down the ground, they've shifted around steep square legs, so it's really in front of square. And he somehow managed to like bend his arms in a way that he's kind of hit the ball backwards behind him. The camera cut straight back to Phillips, who just was like laughing. Was like, I don't, I don't know where to bowl to this guy. I'm bowling in the same place. He's hitting it in seven different directions. It was a very, very enjoyable watch. To repeat a gag, I once said on radio, like as Shakira yeah. said, wrists don't lie. Uh, right, so that that's that's you. Uh, for me, uh, how about Harry, poor old Harris Ralph? Um, he, so much build-up, Dooley on comms was talking about the, the worst Pakistani World Cup figures were Hassan Ali conceding 84 runs four years ago. And Harris Ralph gets it, 85 off him. He's been expensive through the comp. Goes and takes a seat on the bench, puts a cold towel around his head on a hot day. And then Shaheen Sharafruti concedes shitload of runs from his last over and overtakes him. So Harris Ralph had that record for all of about 15 minutes. Um, Anti-Hall of Fame overrates. Pakistan took four hours and 20 minutes lighted up to get through their 50 overs today. Um, back in the late 80s and early 90s, yeah. if you did not get through your overs by the right time, 
part of the punishment was not getting those overs back in return when chasing. Now, I think the fielders inside the circle is a good initiative. That is to say, you, you have one more fielder in from the moment you hit your sanction. In Pakistan's case today, that was three overs, right? Yeah. I reckon that had this game reached maturity and gone the whole way, Pakistan should have only been given 47 overs back. to chase. What do you think of that? I, I'm interested in it. It's the first time I've heard this idea, and currently I can't think of... I, I think in my bowels, I don't like it, but I don't have an argument against you yet. So I need to work out what I think. But in terms of like an actual, what's the word, where like a, an incentive or come to... to Price really, signal. Exactly. That would, it would work. And like no one cares about like, you can find the players and yes, that's going to irritate them. Or yes, you can bring a fielder in. It's only really a slap on the wrist. If you have a tangible effect in, in the match where you go, right, you're now down to 49 overs. I, th I currently think it's a good idea. Something about it makes me feel uncomfortable and I'll get back to you. One other thing is that I think it's an easy win for the uh, for the ICC TV. That in games where Duckworth Lewis is relevant, yeah. and today's one of the f first of the whole World Cup where rain's been. Yes, yeah, first rain off game. First rain sure. off game, yeah. but rain's barely been a thing at all. Full stop. They should just have in the bottom right hand corner on the big screen at um, at most international yeah. games. The Duckworth Lewis pass score changes ball by ball because they get the sheets of paper that. That, that map it out and they can input that into the mainframe. That should be on telly. When they were nearing 20 overs today, I had no idea what Pakistan yeah. needed to be. And I suspect the TV guys didn't either because they weren't really talking about it. Um, if that was in the bottom right-hand corner changing every ball, that would make, only when it's relevant, yeah. not all the time, but um, that would be an improved broadcast. If you had it all the time, it's basically the more badgery fans win this. Like, yeah, like it, who's this, winning? If win this comes up and it's 60-40 or it... DLS is on the screen and teams on 200 and DLS pars 180. Oh, they're winning! Like that's kind of like that's. Yeah. I think we kind of do have it on the screen often, as it were. But yeah, like in instances like today, it's very helpful to know because they walk off and everyone went, "Oh fuck it!" Like, have they won? Is that it? Have we done? Like, easy win. Uh, later today, uh, Jeff has with him, I think, the heavy roller. Matt Roller is, I think, with Jeff at uh, at Ahmedabad oh, at Modi Stadium for the for the second game of our double header on day 31. Tomorrow it's first versus second, the blockbuster. India versus South Africa. The Proteas free hit there, I reckon. I don't think there's any downside for them just going fucking nuts. Can India um, withstand the barrage when it comes? Uh, and we've already went through what the, the, the connotations are for the sides that played in the game that we've just talked about. Uh, bizarrely, winners today, Pakistan, by 23 runs despite making half the score. Cricket, you wouldn't want it any other way. Sorry if I ran out to empty, wrote this so you know what I meant here. I had to go about it.